Kudatar of Boxing back for a post post show reaction and uh, it was definitely imperative for official scorecard and myself to just give a a reaction because there's a hell of a lot of people who have been doubting the the capabilities also the drive and determination of one Alexander Rusik a lot of negativity a lot of misunderstanding as well and today the big game player the perennial road warrior once again exemplifies that he's not, he's just simply cut from a different cloth and um, yeah a tremendous time and um, official what a what a fantastic fight and uh, justif kudatara boxing who have been pretty much throughout, not only now, but when Alexander Rusik was even at cruiserweight, we had aspirations that he would win not only the cruiserweight undisputed, but he also would be, and he would also move up in weight and capture the world heavyweight championship. We had, you know, absolutely no doubts, and uh, yeah, we feel fully vindicated. Absolutely. Good evening, Corruption. Big up, big up to Alexander Usyk. Oh, wow, what a fight. Almost, I mean, I don't mean to go into negativity, but even uh, some shitty scorecards couldn't detract him for capturing the belts from AJ. And just like you said, from the beginning, we knew who's the superior boxer and we we didn't have any doubt about it the only doubt was is he gonna get robbed or not yes now there is many things to to to, to say about it but uh, if you wish to continue to uh, stay in your peace just go on i'll go with the flow coming into the fight i mean usik was clearly under no illusions and obviously none None of us were either in, on what he had to do to dominate the fight, to put the decision beyond the doubt of any of the officials, knowing that there's a rematch clause as well. But now Joshua is faced with the decision whether to invoke it. But it was pretty clear cut for Usyk. There was no, there was no real pressure except from from his own camp, his trainers, and from himself. He's expressed his desire to be undisputed for so long. He had to wait three years. There was a lot of politics and roadblocks that were inhibiting his progress. And I, you know, you know something official? When when I went on to the BDA podcast and also Thunderdome and in, within the chat, and I, I, I mentioned to a lot of the people that Alexander Rusik against Derek Chisora, he he specifically put on a very circums circumspect fight because Joshua was mm -hmm. in attendance and he didn't want to show his full artillery. I got called an idiot <laughs> in, in both their respected chats, saying that I was that I was disillusioned and that, that you know I mean that that I was deluded. But I mean, you recall me making that point live on on BDA as well. Why reveal everything? He, this guy realizes that 
you know, Eddie Eddie Hearn had brought him in specifically for that fight just to scout him. So why is Usyk going to really put it on Chisora? He had the capabilities of knocking him out. It, it was certainly within his capabilities, but no, it, it was about minimizing any damage, not getting, you know, viciously cut, etc. And just clinically outboxing him to the point in which the decision wouldn't be wouldn't be too close whether it's a majority or a split. But the but we saw there that Eddie Hearn was almost favoring Derek Chisora because they were clearly eyeing out an undisputed championship with, with Fury and, and Usyk was very much a nuisance, a problem for them. You know, a draw or something like that would have perhaps put his aspirations of invoking the WBA mandatory in check. But he got through that. And and uh, it's almost ironic and official that it had it not been for Deontay Wilder and his arbitration case, Alexander Usyk would still probably be waiting for a title shot now. Yeah, that's, a, uh, that's an excellent point, man. And uh, yeah, I do fully agree with you. Uh, the, the moment, of, well, as uh, many people who are listening to us may know, uh, you and me, even when uh, we are not doing shows, we are uh, talking in between us about the fights. And uh, exactly, just like you told me, I mean, uh, his performance against, uh, what's his name, Chisora. Yeah. He, he had Chisora out on his feet at least a few times and just didn't want to push for it. Uh, so just for the for the exact reason that you mentioned, but now going on a, a few months before the fight, uh, I was the one who went to multiple chats on different channels, telling people that, uh, well, uh, as we know what you did, the moment we found out that uh, what kind of training he was doing to add on weight. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, CrossFit, doing the CrossFit. You were the one who, who, how do you call it? You did some research finding out that CrossFit is a great way to, uh, great way to add on mass at, a, at the same time, keep the explosivity, the explosiveness. And so everybody who was worried about Usyk getting huge, but um, having just just the muscle mass that could only hinder him was completely wrong. But no one, no, no one was listening. And indeed, to me personally, I mean, Usyk is thirty four years old. He's he's slowly losing his speed. I mean, he was quick enough for AJ and quicker than any other heavyweight is. But uh, I was seeing that, of course, it's not, his movement is not as quick as before, but uh, great timing, great game plan. And so, yeah, it turned out very well. You know what it is, official? It's, it's the human physiology. Usyk is naturally a smaller man than mm-hmm. Anthony Joshua. So even if Joshua is perhaps redacting his weight by 10, 20 pounds, eliminating his 
he's he's muscled that he put on when he first turned when he first became a heavyweight when he was a skinny sort of tall six feet six inch novice we know that he started out lifting a lot of heavy weights put on these weight like that so even if joshua is losing that and Usyk is conversely putting on weight he will still have those advantages in in hand speed and foot speed he was all he will always be the faster guy even if they were the same weight today at a, you know at a, at sort of 240 pounds Usyk would still be significantly faster but you talk about the the reduction in his movement but we saw today he his 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 footwork was far better than what it has been recently and it had to be but he was active from the opening bell he started off very well a lot of the commentators had falsely portrayed him as being a slow starter which i i I never really understand what that Mm -hmm. means fantastic point cerebral boxers are obviously analyzing their prey but Usyk can start whenever he wants he's supremely fit he had calibrated a good game plan with Tegachenko and Anatoly Lomachenko what he was going to do up against a, a heavier fighter and he he employed a lot of the tactics what he did against Tony Bellew as well Bellew was synonymous with somebody who has a good jab jab straight right hand left hook and through Usyk's capturing lead hand and lead foot control he was reducing tony bellew to just the right hand and we saw that basically in this sorry uh, sorry for cutting you off but uh, again uh, that there is uh, that noise that uh, is preventing you from from being understood uh, so right now it, it got uh, really bad when you're talking still bad at the moment oh Again, it's terrible. Oh. No, I cannot hear you at all. I'm only hearing uh, that that fucking noise. I don't know what's up. I remember last time you was complaining that that I was inaudible. Still terrible. Was saying that I was perfectly fine in the chat. Still, still terrible. Yeah, still the same. As you can see, guys. Oh, great. Fantastic. Is that better? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So what I was saying official is that against against Bellew to try and neutralize Bellew's combinations of what he was doing, jab, straight right hand, and left hook. And through lead hand and lead foot control, he took away Bellew's jab and he's... His patented left hook, which was giving David Hay a hell of a lot of trouble. So he was pretty much just resorting Bellew to just a right hand and looping the right hand around the guard. And as the rounds unfolded in this fight, Joshua was just reduced to a right hand. But he was trying to shorten the right hand and catch Usyk coming in. But Usyk in this fight, official, the body work straight from the opening bell, mixing head and body combinations. I didn't see hardly any 
combinations from Joshua. Took away his jab with movement. Great head movement as well. Upper body movement. Activity. Intensity. Pressure. Volume. Angles. He comprehensively outboxed him. Clearly and uh, absolutely, undoubtedly, he outboxed him. Me personally, I had it. I couldn't give AJ more than two rounds. I saw it 10 to 2 or 11 to 1. There was like uh, the first four rounds, Usyk swept it. Fifth round, um, AJ kind of started it better, but the only reason being that uh, Usyk was taking some time off. He was circling around and so, but AJ was not landing anything meaningful. And I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to the reason why was that. But the beginning of the f- fifth round, when uh, Usyk was not throwing, AJ landed a uh, few, few straight punches, few jabs and straights here and there. But then in the second half, Usyk put, put it on him, took the fifth on my, in my book. The sixth round, another round where uh, Usyk was taking some steam off. And it was competitive again. AJ was not able to land. I, I mean, he landed a few very good straight rights, but that was about it. And I gave I gave AJ that round. Then the eighth round was competitive, but still Usyk uh, took it, in my opinion. But you can argue, you can give it to AJ. And then I gave AJ the tenth round, I think. Uh, which was competitive again. And what was funny in that fight, uh, I would say uh, in the ninth round, I had uh, I had the impression that AJ for a moment started to, to box on his on his back foot, off his back foot, uh, undoubtedly because he was uh, he was hurt by many punches from music. But also because I I had the impression that he changed the game plan, that he went on for surviving, uh, guessing that uh, he would uh, he would get the decision no matter what. But then the the beating that he was taking uh, in the last third of the fight was totally one sided. That that in the twelfth round. He changed his game plan again and uh, started coming forward towards Usyk, trying to pressure him and hurt him uh, using his uh, last bits of energy. But uh, once uh, Usyk caught him with some fantastic counter punches and combos, well, you you saw what happened. Uh, Usyk almost stopped him. But to me, the reason why uh, AJ, who, who is without any doubt, a much bigger puncher than Usyk is, was landing softer punches because Usyk, throughout the whole fight, he was landing the better punches, the cleaner punches. Uh, He was hurting him uh, multiple times very bad. And the reason for it is because AJ needs to set his feet in order to punch and that's exactly what Usyk with his footwork took away from AJ. So he was never in a position to, 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 to put his whole body 
into his punches. And uh, I would say Usyk played his game of chess perfectly. Me, myself, I for this fight, I haven't done any film study. In fact, only two days ago, I did a film study on uh, AJ's fight against, uh, what's his name, Pulev, but I didn't have enough of time to prepare it. I, I wanted to do a pre-fight show today and or yesterday, didn't have enough of time to do it. But that was the only fight that I was able to, to analyze. And so, but even despite that, a month ago, I already laid the bet uh, now, uh, I have uh, my bet uh, was Usyk in between the 7th and the 12th round by stoppage. So I didn't get it. But anyways, fantastic performance. And I'm sure I can say a lot, a lot of interesting things about this fight and the way he took uh, AG's left hook away. It was it was clinic, clinical. Uh, by the way, before you go on, I would just like to say a shout out to Sina Mosia, to Doug, to the Shepherd of Sons, Triple JJJ, and uh, he, Overhand was there. Yeah, Overhand too. Are you there, Karim? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's one of no those um, gr great points, by the way, on what he was doing. One one punch in which what Usyk was doing in this fight was that sweeping left hand. So it's coming in sort of clockwise from from Joshua's perspective because when you've got when you've got a southpaw and an orthodox, it's it's difficult for the orthodox fighter to to actually you know their jab hands line up. Their feats obviously clash, but it's difficult for the orthodox fighter to land body shots. Whenever orthodox fighters are fighting southpaw, you can see their volume cuts down. It it just gives them a hell of a lot of difficulties. So with Usyk, what he was doing from from the earlier rounds, that that sweeping, that sweeping left hook, sometimes shifting to his right and land and splitting AJ's guard, and landing the straight left. But other times, catching him sometimes with a lead sweeping left hook, and that's what hurt her, hurt her, pretty much buzzed up Joshua as early as the third round, and I think that was the punch that was busting up his eye as well. And also about that looping left from uh, Usyk, the way that he throws it and he uses it used it perfectly against Joshua is before he throws it, he comes in with his, uh, I don't know, either um, straight left to the body or a right trap, but but when he's throwing those setup punches, he comes in with, with let's say, a jab from the outside and steps to the right to, to the angle as he's throwing it. And uh, it, what it does for AJ is that uh, AJ ends from uh, from long range up to close range to the left. Uh, so he starts uh, right in front of Joshua at long range. And as he steps in with his punch, with his jab, he ends up close and to the left of Joshua. So Joshua 
is turning his right glove towards uh, towards Usyk, who is slightly at the angle, and uh, that's how Usyk was coming around his right glove. Maybe maybe doesn't doesn't sound very easy to understand the way I'm describing it without the film, but as he's stepping in with the jab to to AJ's left, AJ is looking to turn his guard towards him. And yeah. so Usyk is coming just around it with his looping left. And after landing the left hand and moving to the blind angle, it obviously stops Joshua from landing his straight right hand, which he's looking to do. Yeah. And by, by the way, uh, so he was not, um, I would say in the second round, Usyk ate one uh, left hand from uh, from yeah. AJ, left uh, a very good left hook from a combo when Usyk uh, was the one who who stepped to the blind angle doing his usual thing with with angles when he goes past uh, the, the front foot of the orthodox fighter. But uh, after that, he, he was not trying too much to do it. Uh, he, he was only going past uh, AJ's left foot only when uh, AJ threw his uh, left jab or left hook and missed it. Yeah, so he 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 could not risk it, you know, to to step uh, to to step to the tangle without uh, Joshua already throwing a punch with his left hand, and it was a very very smart decision. Damn right. And the good thing with with Usyk was a little bit more versatility and being unpredictable because he wasn't looking he wasn't looking to pivot off to the right, mm -hmm. step back with the double jab. But then he would move, actually, he would pivot away to actually in in range of Joshua's hand, but he he tends to flow in and out of angles between sort of mid-range and short range, just using, bringing his foot into range, so almost tempting Joshua that he's going to fire in. So Joshua's right hand was falling short. Actually, very good. He's, his defensive maneuverability at times is 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 just fantastic. Um, shifting back, but then he would counter with the jab as well when Joshua would try and come in with those short, almost short, sort of jolty right hands, almost what he was doing against Povetkin, the shorter, shorter opponent, trying to catch him sort of bouncing in. Um, Alexander would just retreat sometimes, even in the straight line, it didn't even matter to him, but just come back with the jab. But whenever he would land a combination, there would always be body and head, right hook to the body. Even when Joshua was trying to hold him in the back of the head with his left hand, which he likes to do, yeah. far left hook, miss it, and just sort of grab him. Usyk is actually very good fighting out of clinches. And I think it was the Marius, it was the uh, fighting in Russia against Gasiev. You could see when Gasiev was trying to clinch him, Usyk would actually fight out of the clinch. So I think he was prepared for all sort of eventualities if a bigger man was trying to impose his will and try and sort of rough him up, maybe even use his head, etc. Especially when their energy tank starts to deplete, they run out of ideas, their A-game is not working. And you see a lot of that with Joshua. There's a lot of dichotomy. There's not a lot of singular strategy as there was before. The Andy Ruiz fight had really depleted a hell of a lot of confidence, I think, in his chin. 
Mm-hmm. So we're seeing him a little bit more erratic with his game plans, trying to just make adjustments on the fly, which isn't a bad thing because then you're obviously less unpredictable as well. But didn't didn't try to fight like a big big man as he would. He didn't really establish his jab, couldn't establish his jab, but he never persevered. He never tried to throw check left hooks from the outset to stop Usyk from moving around right hook this side left hook that side so Usyk was able to just sort of dance around him at times you know land punches walk AJ down as well he had no problems of actually exchanging and trading with him but he made sure he got his his body dipped down a hell of a lot employed the high guard at times well so he varied his defense at times the combination punching, I'm glad he, he kept at the body because we saw by round seven, eight, you know, Joshua was definitely feeling those body shots and it undoubtedly made a difference in wearing him down because Joshua had leaned down. He looked a hell of a lot fitter than what I've seen before, a lot less bulk. So we knew his cardio and his endurance would have been good. But Usyk's perseverance with head and body really slowed him down and you know, a couple more rounds, or even in the 12th round, you could have made the case that that was a Pernil Whitaker and a Julio Cesar Chavez justifiable stoppage. Yeah. Well, that, um, that's a great point because I was thinking the same thing watching the fight. Uh, I was wondering, uh, while looking at AJ's physique in the ring, I was wondering... Uh, that guy looks very slim, you know, for, uh, for, uh, well, not exactly. He's, he's a big guy, but slimmer than in some of his other fights. And so if I didn't know his weight in the ring, I would say, I would guess that it was less than, than 240, like if it was 235, something like that. But yeah, he was very well physically prepared. And that's undoubtedly one part of the reason why Usyk was not able to to stop him. Because you could clearly see that Usyk didn't really trust the judges and then that his game plan was indeed to go for uh, for a late stoppage. But the other part of the reason why he, he didn't do it he he didn't want to to push hard enough because AJ he can you know ju- just a little miss and uh, AJ can clinch him grab him like like he tried uh, a couple of times a few times to land that uh, left forearm on Usyk's neck and uh, throw a huge right hand right uppercut and. Uh, yeah, we have L Dog in the chat from Eating Crow. Big up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. All of all of the all of the doubters, all of the doubters. You, you can all you can all line up all the way. Oh yeah, we are taking names. We we have the the receipts, all the receipts. Um, by the way, I cannot wait to to see beats and rhymes cry 
uh, and many, many, many others. Yeah, them, them people are just deplorable, wretched animals. I've got no, we don't even know what they're talking about in boxing. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it was so nice to put. 2012, when I said Alexander Lusik was the best fighter I'd ever seen, and he'd, he'd go on to dominate. And even seven, eight years ago on a podcast, when I said he'll be undisputed cruiser and he'll be undisputed heavyweight as well. So I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, as well. We said repeatedly back then as well that he'll beat everyone at heavyweight. You put Tyson Fury in the room. I think, I think Usyk beats him as well. And it's interesting, James Ali Bashir, Usyk's former trainer, always said that Fury is an easier fight for him than what AJ would be. That, that's very a lot interesting. Of to... that, but we'll see in time what happens. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I, I'm uh, I'm surprised with what you just said because uh, so Ali Bashir thought that Usyk would have a rather easy time with Tyson. Well, I haven't thought about that fight, that possible fight, but we'll see, of course. But uh, yeah, I was guessing that Tyson Fury may be his hardest one due to to his size and to to his dexterity. But yeah, maybe I, I changed my mind too. But absolutely, man, people. Yeah, yeah. You I know, to, yeah, go you, on. When you're sort of analyzing the fight, it's going to be a difficult fight. I, I personally, I think it's going to be a harder fight. I thought that I thought maybe Deontay Wilder would be potentially a danger fight for him because it's it's the awkward style that always gave Usyk problems, mm -hmm. like wild punches from wild angles. There was a couple of Nigerians who he fought. Uh, one of them, the, the name sort of eludes me, but he always gave Usyk a hell of a lot of troubles, firing sort of looping shots. And, but the textbook boxers and those who don't have good feet were never going to give him trouble. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, by the way, do you are you talking about uh, uh, Michunu, the one, no, the, the, the no, short, no. small guy? No, no. Um, the Nigerian who fought uh, Dominic Brazil, he was beating up Brazil, but eventually Brazil knocked him out. Mm -hmm. I don't know who is that, but okay, it doesn't matter. But yeah, that that's a very good point. Um, same, I saw the same thing with uh, Lomachenko, who uh, I don't want to, to oversimplify and say that uh, Usyk and Lomachenko have the same styles because it's not the case, but they have some similar tendencies in the, in the way they fight. Yeah. And um, the awkwardness, for example, from Mariaga gave a lot more problems to, to, to Loma than Rigo or any other boxer ever did. But uh, yeah, uh, to, to go back to what you said about uh, Usyk, to your credit, I know you as a huge uh, Usyk fan, and I, I, I think that I heard you saying that he was your favorite fighter. And uh, by the way, you're someone who, who went to, to watch him, who followed him since his amateur days. And so, yeah, absolutely, people should listen carefully when corruption is speaking. So yeah, there was there was no one back then. 2012, I was yeah in attendance when he campaigned um, at heavyweight. 
it's interesting. My my best friend at the time, the boxer who actually got me into Elton and sort of Welling Boxing Club back in uh, the late 1990s. Sorry, the 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 late 80s, early 90s, um, when he first took me down to one of the clubs when I was actually in London. He he was interested in in Joshua, so he went to the Joshua fight. I obviously attended Usyk's fights, and he came out. Of, I remember him coming out against uh, it was Landy Simone, and he said, "Nah, he didn't win that fight." Um, so pretty much there and then, we were like, "He's going to get a gift decision. He's going to get that gold yeah. medal." Um, so we we know Joshua's campaign. You know, I, I saw a lot of him. I saw a lot of very. I saw a lot of decisions and even refereeing protecting him as well. Some walkover victories, and there were one or one or two fights at at sort of the ABA Championship in Finchley that he never took. I don't know the the cards just suddenly just sort of got cancelled and disappeared. And he was expected to take on some some real heavy hitters from. Chelsea Barracks, one of the army barracks. Um, there was another fight from up Nottingham that he never took against a guy who was, I think it was about 17 knockouts in like 18 fights. So I think they've been pushing him very carefully. His resume is very superficial, and we've talked about that many times. A green Dillian White who never had a trainer, who was ultimately given an ultimatum by Eddie Hearn in that he couldn't have surgery. If he took the fight, then afterwards Matron would sign him. So White went into that fight, you know, requiring surgery. He wasn't with Jonathan Banks. He'd never even had a trainer. So very easy to capitalize on the green fighter. But we saw the problems even Joshua had in that fight against Joseph Parker. Now, did he really win that fight? To me, I, I didn't see anything suggest to me that Joshua won that fight. Parker was a little bit, he didn't really have as much confidence as what Joshua showed today. Otherwise, he would have won that fight even easier. But he was able to neutralize Joshua's right hand by movements very easily. And he wasn't even allowed to punch fight as much on the inside, given the referee just kept stopping them, knowing that Parker was a shorter guy with faster hands, a guy who's known to you know target the body as well. So... There's been a hell of a lot of protection towards Joshua over the years. The Carlos Tackham fight. Oh um, yeah. We yeah. saw what happened in with with Andy Ruiz. You know, a short, fat Mexican heavyweight <laughs> whose training camp was Pizza Hut. He got absolutely <laughs> obliterated. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, but uh, when uh, when I was uh, studying his fight against Pulev. I thought about two things. One of the things you just mentioned, his resume. Okay, on, on the paper, you would say Joshua, and everybody says it. And I was one of the first one to, to say it. Joshua's resume is great, probably one of the best. I was saying one of the best resumes in boxing, along with Povetkin, although I was definitely favoring Povetkin's resume. But Joshua, yeah, he has some very good names, and uh, people are saying he always fights tough competition. And you can say that, of course, I'm not here to, 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 to trash him, but looking back at his, at his resume, 
it's uh, it's the same resume, same game plan that Floyd Mayweather had from himself, meaning you can find very good names, but at what point of his career he was fighting them? Dillian White, not the same, like you said, many others. And uh, many others who, who would be much tougher challenges if he took them earlier. But on the other hand, I would give him respect. He uh, he, he fought, uh, yeah, old uh, Vlad, uh, but it was early in his career. So I'm not here to for, for some one-sided shitting on AJ, although he does deserve criticism for, for being very protected and we, the hardcore boxing fans, we are always going to, to hate uh, the, the protected divas. Uh, now, watching his fight against uh, Pulev and analyzing it, yeah. uh, I saw, and everybody saw this, that he was doing a lot more of counter-punching and although my film study, I didn't have enough time to, to do it nowhere as seriously as I wanted, but I was guessing that he he was going to try to counter, and he was trying to counter Usyk, to counter punch, because uh, going forward, it would be a bad night for him. I mean, yeah, he could arguably use uh, the clinching, the dirty tactics, and his skills, very underrated skills that he has on the inside against Usyk. But Usyk is ultimately a fighter who, I mean, I've never seen a fighter looking so good on the back foot as, as Usyk is. It's, it's something else. It's amazing. So in that sense, understood, I understood why, why he was being passive in this fight and couple that with the fact that uh, he had just to win a couple of rounds and to survive and the, the decision would probably go to him uh, but uh, again but yeah but you were saying on the back foot but let, let's talk about the narrative that everybody was saying that Usyk couldn't fight on the front foot and he was just yeah. specifically a back foot boxer yeah, well, uh, just just two things. Yeah, in fact, he was fighting, let's say, not on the front foot all the time, but yeah, he was pressuring AJ and he was going in and out, uh, not pivoting a lot on his front foot, like you said, but going in and out and definitely using angles, but not those huge obvious angles while pivoting on, on his front foot, like you said. And his defense while doing so was looking better than ever, better than ever, better than it was uh, against uh, Mary's British, better than it looked against Bellew and many other fighters that he fought on the front foot. And it was fantastic. His defense, amazing for uh, for a style that he was fighting in in this fight. It was amazing. But one last point about uh, what I saw and what I remembered, I mean, uh, while rewatching AJ's fight with Pulev, uh, was that AJ has some very underrated and seriously, seriously good inside fighting skills at short mid-range and inside fighting 
of course he coupled that with uh, with some dirty tactics that he knows how to use but his skills on the inside are very good on the other hand what is troubling him is quick hands quick combos you know velocity and uh, i had some clips prepared from his fight with pulev where uh, pulev attacks him with velocity and uh, explosiveness and that's when he backs up he he turns into all defense uh, w- when you attack him with full power he gets scared and covers up because fantastic point be, yeah. be, because of what uh, what happened to him against uh, Ruiz, but also because of the lot of moments he went through with uh, with uh, the Australian, I mean uh, the guy from New Zealand, Parker, and uh, Car- even uh, Carlos Takam, I think, where in the pocket hand speed is troubling him. Yes. So he, he can be very good technically on the inside, very smart fighter on the inside, very good. But uh, the hand speed at short mid-range is what, what scares him. And so that's also kind of why Usyk uh, ate some, some very nice straight right counters from AJ because uh, Usyk, uh, because of his size, Etc. In order to 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 stop him in like tenth round, like I was hoping to see, uh, he should have stayed in the pocket much more, and it would be dangerous for him. So that's why Usyk was. Oh, that's why Usyk almost stopped him, but didn't do it because he couldn't allow himself to stay in the pocket for too long. Now, so, yeah. when you have somebody like Joshua, who's 6'5", 6'6", 82-inch reach, now, you're right. At long range, he's predictable, and I talked about it years back. Because he's throwing very heavy, bruising shots, he's, he's trying to penetrate the guard with his heavy jab and, and, and just pound you with the straight right hand or the right hook, whatever he can, or even follow up with the uppercut. Yeah, I agree. He does a lot of better work at sort of that mid-range, short mid-range. But when you when you when you're up against a fighter, say like the Andy uh, Ruiz, corruption again. Joshua jumped in, threw a beautiful, you know, uppercut. Bro, bro, sorry, I cannot hear you. I cannot hear you again. Again, the same problem with the microphone. I don't know if it's the case for the people in the chat room, but for me, I cannot hear you at all. There's some static, terrible, terrible static, like uh, like earlier. Is that better? No, no. Mm, I, there's there's some static. Oh, so L Dog is saying uh, your mic is working fine. So see official official. You're giving me some coup d'etat subterfuge messages. Uh, How's that? Uh, go and try again. Chat. Oh, great, the, great. Can hear you now. The, the CEO is trying to overthrow the chairman of the board here. So I'm going to rely <laughs> on. So I'm relying on the chat. Yeah, but uh, it looks like in the chat room they can hear you fine. Yeah, but it's so. it's on my end. Yeah. 
Uh, sorry for for cutting you off. Yeah, now you lost. Now I need total recall on old Schwarzenegger style. What the <laughs> f I'm saying, but all right. Now, when you've got Joshua fighting against somebody, say at his preferred range, at sort of short range with Ruiz, what happened? If if Joshua is unable to hurt Ruiz because he's only really relying on power, he's not going to have the talk with with a reach that much. It then comes down to hand speed in combination, and perhaps if you, even if you can count on that range, and we saw Andy Ruiz's hand speed, so it, it's not advantageous for Joshua to fight somebody like that inside the pocket. Because Ruiz's hands is a hell of a lot faster, and he's a better counter puncher as well. So, and we saw what happened, you know, temple shots, equilibrium shots, and he couldn't recover. So, with a Carlos to come in that, he can have that because they're not they're not skilled combination punches. They might be sort of heavy bruises, but they just don't have that ability. And so he can just bully him, lean on him, headbutt him, do whatever the fuck he wants to do. With Usyk, he's not. He doesn't traditionally fight inside the pocket. Nor, nor does he has to. But here, he was able to fight on the front foot whenever he wants. But he was able to tuck himself pretty well. And, but you're absolutely right. What something you said before. There was a there was a former f sparring partner or a fighter from from Joshua's Finchley. Um, box ABA when he was back as an amateur and what he said even back then was if you got aggressive with Joshua actually took it to him try to impose your will he doesn't like that nor does he react well to that and we saw that in this fight an aggressive Usyk prepared to put his punches together to try and bully Joshua back him up up against the rope and just unleash Joshua never really has the only thing he can do in that situation is clinch because Usyk has the better speed. He has the better head movement, better upper body movement. I think he's got the better guard as well. And he's got the faster hands and he's got the better footwork and he can break out of clinches. He can get low, very low to try and neutralize that left hook that Joshua likes to throw on the inside. So Joshua doesn't really have any answers for that. Yeah, and talking about the low blows, there was two in the fifth or the sixth round, or or maybe a bit later, yes. but blatant low blows, so 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 fucking dirty. But yeah, that, that's why I was so fucking glad. Oh, yeah. wow. there was one in the fifth, and there was one in the sixth. Um, th there was one round where I saw him throwing two low blows in the row to the nuts the net sec and uh, yeah by the way we were mentioned the ho uh, holding and hitting with the right uppercut and there was even a couple a few times where uh, his clinching game served him really well where uh, Usyk when Usyk hurt him with the straight lefts and looping lefts and when Usyk went on pushed for a uh, to, to 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 follow up with his combos AJ kept his gloves on his shoulder, on, on Usyk's shoulder. And that's how he saved himself a couple of times. 
Yeah. But yeah, you, you're you're right. I mean, uh, the aggression, even when Usyk was in the zone to throw combos, uh, AJ was in a full defensive mode. He 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 tried to to counter here and there a couple of times, but most of the times it was get off me kind of punches. And uh, yeah, but by the way, maybe even tomorrow I'll go probably tomorrow in the evening or uh, on Monday, I'll do the film study that, uh, that I was preparing from uh, from that from that fight in between Usyk and Pulev. But there was there was a lot of interesting things to see. But anyways, go on. But even officially in, in this fight, the first time Usyk had hurt Joshua very early in the fight with that sweeping hook, Joshua never reacted. You could see his knees buckling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Coming in, what happened? Michael Alexander came in straight away and separated them. And I went fucking... I went mental after that because we knew that was going to happen. He wasn't going to let him try and fight on the inside because Usyk was just coming in close. He was trying to shorten up with that left hand, just sort of that chopping hand on top of the head. But, um, yeah, the referee intervened. There was... Both both of the fighters had had there, there was none of their hands was tied up at all. So um, <laughs> we knew it was going to come. You know, Michael Alexander or a Howard Foster. You know, they're, they're both the same entity, really. <laughs> Fucking circus, man. But yeah, uh, what's what's worse is that but, we could have, we, we By the way, it. what was Howard Foster? Howard Foster. What was his? School. I, I... Well, I'll go to to Bobstrap to see, but I know that there was one. Anybody one in the card. chat? Because I, I didn't I didn't see when when the verdict was announced, so I'm even mm-hmm. unsure of the individual tallies posted by Steve Weisfeld. Oh, yeah, because the uh, one judge had it one sixteen, one twelve, and two of them had it mm-hmm. one fifteen, one thirteen, which, which is terrible to me. They were. <laughs> it, it just tells you what a performance. It's a it's a statement to six performance because we know that uh, corruption in boxing nowadays is so fucking terrible that. They would not hesitate to rob a fighter even when he, he, he wins clearly. But Usyk was dominant to the point where uh, 115, 113 was the best they could do. But yeah, if indeed, if anybody in the chat room could tell us what... Uh, it's, yep. Remember the, the first Joshua Franco and Maloney fight. Uh, a close scorecard sort of damage limitations it allows if there's not a rematch clause it allows the promoter to actually protest directly with the sanctioning body sorry can you repeat it if there wasn't a knockdown our guy maloney wins the fight which we which probably me and you the only two people who have said we protested on that saying it was rubbish but here we have a highly lucrative rematch clause as well so they're going to put the fight a little bit close i guess it, it, it just creates more sort of anticipation and the casual fans who they accept w- whatever performance Joshua puts, however, the verdict, they're just brain dead sheep. They just simply yeah. accept it. 
they'll look at those two cards of 115, 113. They'll say seven rounds to five, a couple of swing rounds, maybe Joshua gets it. So I guess it's it's purely designed to keep interest for the rematch. Oh yeah, and that that's a fantastic point because I haven't thought of it, but but yeah, indeed, knowing that there's a rematch in case Susie wins, uh, they would want to 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 make it closer. By the way, uh, Uncle Phil in the chat room is saying that there was not two 115, 113 cards, but there was only one 115, 113, one uh, 116, 112, and one uh, 117 to 112. So maybe I was wrong. Maybe Post. there was indeed 117, 112 card. Uh, Phil, thank you for that. But who who submitted those cards? Can you... That's the question. Well, let me Google it, because you know that very often after the big fights, somebody would snap uh, snap a picture of of the judge's scorecards so let me yeah. see because i was worried that the ukrainian judge was a pro viktor yanukovych supporter <laughs> he was there as almost like a double bluff to try and fuck usip yeah and yeah big phil was right there was one 117 112 card only one 115 113 okay. and uh, yeah, but that's a little bit more clear cut. Mm -hmm. You can bet it was Howard Foster that had it close. <laughs> you just know it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am trying to find uh... Eddie. Eddie Hearn must be on the back of. Joshua signing a long-term promotion. Yeah, with him. Um, now the super fight, the super fight, that's all been scuppered. Isn't that wonderful when that happens? And and when we talk about the significance of this fight, especially when boxing fans have been so fucked off with, yeah, and corruption, with all of these horrible scorecards. So it's 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 nice when you actually see. The true sort of personification of boxing, a perennial road warrior, smaller, smaller man, coming into the, coming into enemy territory, and 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 just sort of comprehensively beating the champion, who you know is going to be protected at left, right, and center, but also getting a decision as well, a justifiable decision, not even a split or a majority decision. So that 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 still gives confidence to us boxing fans, just to say, okay. You know, there's still hope we're not going to jettison the sport just yet. Yeah, and uh, corruption. Yeah. Speaking of it, I mean, look, many people, many, many casuals, fucking idiots, they, they would say, they would say, like, people like corruption and official are just haters because the whole world wants to see the biggest fight in boxing. Uh, AJ versus Fury. I mean, it's it would be a very good fight indeed. But <laughs> the thing is, we don't fucking care about the glitters and gold and uh, all the all the shit show and uh, the people in the attendance. We are caring about uh, the best fighting, the best and the best. 
being respected by the judges. So when when they defeat someone, they do not get robbed. And that was exactly what we was fearing of. And uh, yeah, no doubt, we are so fucking glad that this happened. And at the same time, those big famous fighters, these divas like Tyson Fury, I mean, they 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 can all eat a dick, man, because they're they're so fake. I mean, I I do like I do enjoy watching Fury, etc. Extremely extremely good boxer, fantastic boxer in my opinion. Even AJ, I do respect him a lot, and I do think he he's a very talented. I mean, not extremely, but very talented boxer. But man, we we don't give a fuck about these divas because we know that they're all and nothing bad being about money and uh, getting the biggest money fight possible. But (laughs) since since Usyk stepped to to, to, to the heavyweight division, since Usyk stepped to the heavyweight division, moved up, Usyk, uh, sorry, Fury was the one saying that he doesn't know who he is and he doesn't want to fight him. He would not fight him. So I, I think it's 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 pretty much self-explanatory why why a boxing fan such as corruption in boxing such as myself would uh, would hate those bitches tactics, the you know would have no respect for them and would root against them. I mean, right now, I don't know who, who do I hate more, uh, Wilder or Fury. If you ask me, they, they can knock each other out at the same time and they can die. <laughs> and uh, it would be a fantastic evening for me. But yeah, uh, sorry, you wanted to say something. Yeah, absolutely right, official. I mean, look at, look at the reasons for the fight being postponed. Nobody gives a flying fuck about that fight yeah. except US-based African-Americans, LDBC, whatever else, but <laughs> no one else wants to see the fight. You know, yeah. Fuck about, you know, Malik Scott has got no history of training fighters. He took a he took an L for Deontay Wilder, so is there any, any sort of respect that the student has for his trainer? So how the fuck can Malik Scott even, and the way Malik has even been teaching, he's, he's saying that I haven't taught you anything. I'm just bringing out of what you always had. So he doesn't, that's their relationship. That is the arrogance, the deludedness of, of Deontay Waldo. He cannot even acknowledge that he doesn't, that he's never had any boxing skills and that Malik Scott is actually teaching him a hell of a lot. No, Malik's not teaching me nothing. It's me, it's me just bringing him out of my, my sort of, the, the the sheer sort of remnants of my boxing soul you know it's just that's the that's the reason why he's just going to keep getting his ass kicked because he doesn't have the humbleness the humility with malik scott and yet another yes man that he can pay next to nothing as his trainer that's that's another recipe for disaster. But who gives a fuck about that? And and Fury is a fraud, as we've been saying. Look at the yeah. situation with UCAD that we talked about. You know, that was retrospectively shoved so discreetly under. They'd never even acknowledged that there was a a test. UCAD never even published it. There was no case notes because I actually contacted them when it happened and I asked them, and they just totally stonewalled me. 
Um, there was no honour in flying Vladimir Klitschko in the rematch. Klitschko wanted it so. Favoritism against Otto Valin with the Karai, you know, that should have been stopped and he would have lost the fight. So that's another protected diva as well. Absolutely. I mean, he, he got respect from us for, 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 for the right things that he would do, etc. in the ring. Uh, then I can make a case, I mean, give you the reasons why, why I do respect Fury, but many reasons why I do not respect him, why, why I cannot wait uh, for him and the rest of the divas to fuck off. But by the way, corruption, another reason for, for me being happy that Usyk, it's, at least it's looking like he derailed uh, Joshua versus Fury fight, is that these motherfuckers, they, they're always going to wait for a few years to maximize their, poten their pot potential, their winning potential for their fight. And it's it's just wonderful when, when shit like this happens. So, I mean, I know that boxing is going to continue to do the same thing. The promoters are still going to, to pu push back the big fights, you know, uh, leaving them to fighters when they're uh, out of their primes and when they want enough of money on the shitty fights before throwing them into a real fight. But it should make him think, you know, if shit like this continues to happen, they would, it would make them uh, make the big fights as soon as possible. So it doesn't matter if we are talking about AJ versus Fury or Spence versus Crawford. I'm so fucking glad both of those guys, AJ and, uh, EJ and Crawford, also are on the verge of disappearing. They can royally fuck off. It's it's a wonderful feeling, corruption. Yeah. You know, I mean, pe people have got a massive erection for Bud Crawford finally fighting a live opponent. What? Finally fighting a B level fighter. Yeah, somebody who's who's probably way past his best, but mm -hmm. still, it adds a little bit of validity to his so called resume right now. And it's you know, I mean, that is that is boxing for you. It doesn't matter. Belts and championships don't matter. It's about the quality of opponents when you fight them and how well you actually do against them. The, the, the sheer manner of your victory with this guy. My God, man. It, it, I think we it's that's the problem you, you, you have. It's, it's almost like an, an echo chamber when you're trying to communicate with people who just don't really understand anything, will make any excuses, will never accept the truth, will always be in denial. They're just diehard boxing fans, irrespective of the merits or the virtues or the flaws or the deficiencies of a fighter who they, who they roll with. Boxing is just consumed by too much emotion and fanboyism, and there's just not enough of acknowledgement or even paying, you know, respect to fighters who truly deserve it. And what we're seeing with Alexander Usyk is is the greatest road warrior in the history of boxing. Simple as that. No one even comes close to him. 
in the history of boxing? Absolutely. They were back in the day, back in the 90s, 2000s. There were some American guys, some BNC level fighters that they would call road warriors just because because fighting out of their state. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. This is an A-level fighter that that is always risking to get robbed because he's fighting the guys that are bringing some money uh, for their promoters, their their backers, fighting them in their home countries, uh, not having full wealth. Uh, the belly fight would tell you otherwise, but um, like he he's not a huge puncher, and so he he decisions them. <laughs> Yeah. Look at look at Joshua's face. And can you believe, official, at the time of the stoppage, Belly was up on the cards as well in that fight. So they were going to rob him in that, which is a fucking travesty as well. So they say adversity makes the weak weaker and the strong stronger. And this guy, he's a big game player. You can you can focus on the Chaz Witherspoons and the, the Jerick Chisoras, but that that is subterfuge just to consume just to confuse you weak-minded people as well this is all a deliberate ploy if he wants to turn it on and stop you and just outbox you he will do so if he wants to be very circumspect and give a a total different portrayal of what he's really trying to do that 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 sort of 3d chess player mentality which he has that's what he does you know don't be fooled by all of his rhetoric in 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 press conferences or whatever else he can understand English very well. There's just <laughs> there's nothing about him. Um, very smart man, well educated, a man of faith, a family man. It's it's a blessing to see somebody like that prevail, especially at a time in which society is as decayed and arcane as it is. Um, oh yeah, good to see you know. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't say it any better. And yeah, uh, Eddie Hearn tried it with value, didn't work. Fucked with Usyk some more for the Chisora fight, couldn't do it then. <laughs> the, the irony is that Anthony Joshua never even fought Derek Chisora. Now they're both from the same part, North London, same amateur mm. boxing club. You know, you can criticize Usyk, but Joshua never fought him. He never fought a Dillian White who'd actually signed with Matrim. He fought him when he was outside. Never fought a Philip Hergovic. All of those Matrim fighters they had never fought a single one of them. Yeah, and his dick suckers are always going to mention, well, like people are saying about the other fighters that we love, the real fighters like Usyk, like... Pacquiao, like I don't know who else, but there there are many examples. Um, so they will ask why he didn't fight this or that person, <laughs> while their favorite fighters they have much better opportunities to fight those same guys, but they don't even ask why, why they're not fighting anybody. And okay, yeah, like we said, AJ's resume is solid, but. Looking at the time at which he fought them, not that amazing like it looks on the paper. And um, yeah, at, at the same time, he signed Eddie Hearn, I mean. He signed Usyk right after um, winning that Cruiserweight tournament. 
And I think, well, yeah, you and me discussed it. I think it was you saying Eddie Hearn was deliberately waiting to, to, to separate Usyk from, from his prime footwork for as long as possible, as long as it takes, but still couldn't do it. And uh, yeah, you would say it's time, it's time to celebrate now. I would agree with it. But let me ask you about something for the rematch. I mean, before you ask moment, me, before you ask me, I just want to say one thing. I think when when Usyk gets home, and he and he looks at his his the surplus on his bank account, the, the first thing he should do is to buy a gold binded Urban Dictionary and send that to Deontay Wilder with a big thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Go on. You can ask me, son. Yeah. Okay. So for the rematch, so fans of both sides are right now either crying, committing suicides, or ourselves celebrating. It's all nice, but uh, AJ's backers. The moment that fight finished, the moment the scorecards were read and um, Usi got called the new heavyweight champion of the world, they already started, uh, you know, making a game plan of how <laughs> to, to, to get those belts back because uh, Usi didn't just run against, didn't beat a boxer, he, he, he beat a one-man corporation who, who has many backers? I mean, AJ, who who's sponsored by by two car dealerships. I mean, yeah. two luxury car brands. <laughs> Boxers ca- cannot uh, get only one of them, but he has two of luxury car brands behind him and many other sponsorships, etc. So it's a lot of money, and uh, with with the Fury fight that was on, on the horizon. Uh, we have no doubt there, the judges and the refs in the rematch can only be worse than they were tonight. So, yeah, I think it's going to be even more difficult fight for, for Usyk. Oh, that's one point of view. So, so the question is, if you agree with that, that it could be from that one side, it could be more difficult for him because there is going to be even more fuckery in every possible way. But on the other hand, what I'm thinking, uh, what, what what's looking would, good for Usyk in the rematch is that he didn't have one punch KO power to, to let's say, finish AJ early or in the mid-rounds, but it was a prolonged beating, fucking beating that uh, AJ would need a lot of time to recover from. So for right now, me, myself, I'm not sure how it's going to be in the rematch. If Is it going to be easier for for uh, for Usyk or not? How do you see it? What do you think about it? It's an interesting question because Eddie Hearn is in a precarious position because he's he's literally pumped all of his money into Joshua yeah, and sorry, sorry for cutting you off. I, I know it's certainly... He hasn't developed young talent, but he's tried to buy a lot of fighters who are ready or already have championship belts, but 
a lot of them haven't e- equated into anything. I think the only guy who potentially has a little bit in terms of numbers is Connor Ben. There seems to be a lot of interest with him. Whenever he fights, his numbers are pretty good. So that may be it. Anybody else, I'm, I'm not sure about. I don't really know he's stable too well. But in terms of a in terms of a rematch, the two things official is that Joshua's eye looked pretty fucked up. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know whether he's whether Rusik is, is possibly cracked his his orbital or something. I don't know. But I was watching the fight with no commentary, uh, so I'm unsure. But so we'll have to guess. We'll have to wait a little bit on that one. But in terms of Usyk into the second fight, I think he'll have supreme confidence. I think he realizes now that irrespective of the weight difference, he can take. And we always said that this guy's got a very good chin. He's always fought against big guys. When you when you're actually fighting against a Joe Joyce and Vladimir and Junior Farr and Baturbiev, who's a murderous puncher, and you fought him four times. This guy can take a punch. He's fought super heavyweight. Heavyweight going up from 168. He's fought everybody. He's taken punches. He's taken he's fought punches in their prime. I, I never believed that Joshua was carrying the power. And I, I never fought that in this fight. I thought Usyk would not be in range for Joshua to land flush. And that, that's the key. The Kubrat pull-ups and they're all standing in front of you. So Joshua's able to, you know, line them up, punch through the target, no problem maximizes the damage against Usyk he's perpetual motion so you're never getting proper leverage you're never getting you're almost guessing where he is sometimes you'll land a little bit of trial and error but he's able to roll and ride the punches so he's not taking them flush so so official what what's what's Joshua gonna do the second fight he bulks up I think Usyk will have an even easier time he comes in too light doesn't matter. Usyk will always have the superior hand, foot speed, movement, ring IQ, etc. They're not gaps. I think he can he can offset within the short time span. Maybe he'll try and come and be a little bit more aggressive from the opening bell, but I think Usyk will be wary of that. Usyk would then go back onto doing what Vasily was against Tiafimo, you know, just a little bit cautious. But still staying within range, maybe landing one or two, not as a, as aggressive. But I think second fight, I think Usyk knocks him out this time and even quicker. Oh, lovely. Yeah, very possible. And indeed, if someone is going to look better in the rematch, you would have to bet it would be Usyk uh, because he's, I mean, his capability to think on the fly in the ring his ring IQ are superior to to AJ's, and AJ does have for a for a heavyweight fighter for for a champion, he has a lot of I would say a lot of tricks in his book, in, in his bag, but uh, he's not the same like Usyk who can change uh, make the changes on the fly, uh, not the same IQ. AJ is more uh, kind of like. Uh, a drill type of uh, fighter, and what I mean by that, he he would get a carefully tailored game plan, and then he would drill it. 
but uh, it's not to the point where uh, he can think that quickly inside of the ring and uh, make the adjustments uh, for the most part. Uh, so, so yeah, I would say Usyk's performance in the rematch is going to be even more impressive, at least I hope so, and I can, I can see it definitely. But on the other hand, I would say uh, that uh, he would he would have politics against him, even it would, in that sense, it would be worse than this first fight. Like it couldn't get any worse, but I would, I would say maybe, but maybe thinking right now, right here from the top of my dome, I'm wondering if AJ and his team would think, uh, well, we cannot hit uh, Usyk boxing with him. We c- we cannot hit him with anything clear, anything serious to hurt him because he's keeping us out of balance, moving in and out of range. So maybe they can opt for, uh, for muscling out Usyk. I mean, uh, doing a lot of clinches, etc., but yeah, indeed, at the same time, it would be riskier for him. But maybe they they, they take that chance. And I don't know. If I'm I'm speaking from the top of my dome right now. I'm not even. I don't know what to say. Maybe if if you give me some time to think seriously about that rematch, I would come up with a different conclusion. One thing I wanted to ask you, official, was analyzing this fight again. To me, it looked like Joshua's most effective punches was when he was going to the body. Well, but he he never went to the body often enough. But the punches I actually saw him land to the body, they appeared to have done the most damage in terms of maybe just offsetting Usyk's rhythm a little bit, made him a little bit more cautious. He didn't come in straight away. He was always getting his get back. We we saw a pretty homogenous sequence in the fight. Usyk leading, landing, Joshua trying to come back a bit, and then Usyk immediately coming back. A little mm-hmm. bit like Manny Pacquiao and Ugas, but what, what Manny was doing with Ugas, but sadly was never acknowledged or even reflected in the scorecards. Yeah. But when all, When Joshua was actually going to the body, we saw a slight breakup of that sequence. I don't know what you saw. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a, you, you know what? I remember, what I also remember are uh, AJ's straight right counters that he, he landed on Usyk, where there was a very few in comparison to, certainly in comparison to Usyk's punches. Uh, there was very few powerful straight right counters that he landed um, most of them had uh, had uh, the steam taken off of them by U6 had movement blocking but I saw him landing uh, timing him rather rather well very well with those straight right hands when Usyk was jumping in so those were the punches from uh, from Joshua that I remember the most. But yeah, indeed, he he had he he stopped uh, Usyk a few times in his tracks with body punches, and uh, you're completely right. 
he he threw them much less but those punches downstairs were harder because Usyk was there if I, I mean he was when he was going in and out jumping in and out uh, controlling the distance uh, AJ was not able to land them but when Usyk was using head movement and the lateral movement when he he would get slightly on the inside of uh, yeah. Joshua's range that's when uh, AJ was able to to stop him in the track in his track with straight rights to the body because moving laterally against AJ he was he was using his upper body movement perfectly but the body was there and uh, AJ was able to, to put all of his body weight into those straight right punches. So, yes, yes, I do agree with you on that. That's a great call, in my opinion. And we saw, you know, Joshua just has no ability to even cut off the ring. Doesn't yeah. Just made no concerted effort. He should have been employed those hooks from both. And he's got a, he's actually got a very good left hook, but he... I don't know. I guess I guess it, when when a fighter has, has has suffered a real debilitating knockout defeat, not all of them recover f- recover from from that sort of defeat. When you when you've suffered a major you know loss of confidence, we saw Vladimir Klitschko very early on in in the Ukraine when he was fighting and when he made that transition. Um, to Emmanuel Stewart, become a little bit better even defensively. But with Joshua, the chin has always been vulnerable since since the amateurs. He's just never had a sturdy chin. He's got strong legs, and and they can absorb a hell of a lot of the blows as well. But when you when you have a lack of confidence and you haven't got su- supreme confidence in your chin, and then you decide to get a a dispensation for a 20 foot by 20 foot inch ring for a rematch in Saudi Arabia where you could just run around the ring and do nothing against a fighter who's got who doesn't have that ex- acceleration in his footwork. But I thought Andy Ruiz was still landing a hell of a lot of punches. I, I thought those scorecards were absolutely crazy. Um, it was no shutout victory at all. I need to go back and watch that again, but uh, I thought. Ruiz was landing quite a lot of punches in that fight, so that that would, to me, that almost reinforced that Joshua. I don't think he would recover once he got up against a fighter who not only had Handy Ruiz's sort of hand speed, but was able to counter. But then he had, you know, the, a little bit of Povetkin in him, that explosiveness, bounciness as well. So when you combine all of those fighters in one, and with Usyk's supreme confidence in his will you know it's it's just a stylistic nightmare for joshua i don't know whether he can make any adjustments in the rematch i at this moment in time i cannot see it yeah that again that's very well said because uh usik usik uh he's composed by a couple of those nightmares of AJ, <laughs> so <laughs> so so yeah, yeah, very very complex fighter that carries everything that <laughs> that is terrible for AJ. I fully agree with you. Um, I would say that one good thing that he was doing, and 
it was that he was to 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 a very good extent i would say he he negated uh, many of those usix pivot on his uh, pivots on his front foot to 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 get to the blind angle uh by i mean it's very simple but useful and uh, definitely he was prepared to to defend himself from it and it was to take a step back and uh, eventually try to pivot a little bit with him and yeah. so it was it was good enough to to take uh, take out those angles but those were not the only angles that age uh, sorry that Usyk was using and also Usyk was using head movement uh, going also in and out bouncing in between uh, long and mid range so too complex for <laughs> for AJ to to prepare for all of that yeah, and when it comes to, a, I mean, I think both official and myself and our respective covenant jurisdictions, we've, I think we both had a bit of a nightmare in terms of watching the fight as well. You know, I came in a little bit later, had a tremendous problems with finding the fight and even finding a, you know, a, a decent sort of uninterrupted stream, so... In terms of a proper sort of insightful technical breakdown, maybe even a punch stat count, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll try and come back a little bit later on once we've both seen the fight a few times, and it's going to be, you know, watching the fight with a you know a bottle of whiskey and a <laughs> huge <laughs> Cuban cigar for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well. Even uh, even the punch count for Pacquiao-Ugas fight, I have it ready. I already uploaded it a few weeks ago, but it got deleted by YouTube. Uh, we didn't get any strikes, luckily, but uh, it got deleted. So I'll try to... I meant to try to upload it today, but I completely forgot it. I will try tomorrow or on Monday, hopefully... We, we get that on our uh, on our channel then yeah hopefully um, the zone and, and the zone and uh, whatever is uh, whatever are the companies that are deleting uh, film studies yeah was there any significant fights on the undercard I didn't see all no. I did I heard that the mighty Campbell Hatton got a gift decision. <laughs> I heard the same, but I was I was only watching the Ocoli fight, and uh, okay. I should have missed it as well. I mean, Ocoli, he was uh, he was uh, fighting a Montenegrin, uh, Dylan Prashovich, and so I could say that Dylan Prashovich was. Uh, was giving him a lot of trouble in when it comes to boxing, but it was a not, not very interesting fight. Stopped early. Yeah, uh, yeah I heard the same thing about uh, Ricky Fatton's bum son. I mean, uh, I heard that everybody was saying because I was listening Thunderdome's live stream. Everybody on the live stream in the comment and on the panel was 
they had uh, Ricky Sun either losing five to one or six to zero. Yeah, I mean, talk about the hype jobs. Uh, so what I heard was that Myris Breeders was in was in attendance for the fight. Now I had thought he had announced that he was moving up to heavyweight and perhaps relinquishing his belts. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's no longer the case. I've not really been in the loop with boxing news recently. Is that the case? Well, if that was the case, I, I missed it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe possible, but, but yeah, great point because just a few days ago, a few weeks ago, we found out that uh, Mary Spreeder said that he's moving up to to heavyweight division. But yeah, it's confusing. And I think it was after Ocoli's fight uh, he he was mentioning a, a couple of uh, top uh, top cruiserweight names. Uh, the, the French guy, Romanian French guy, Gulerminian, uh, then a couple of others I cannot remember. Yunga and Mokabu. And oh, yeah, Mokabu. And I'm wondering if he mentioned the uh, previous two there. Uh, because yeah. he was mentioning, yeah, he, he mentioned their names and saying, they uh, they are already in contact. They they want to fight. All of them want to fight. Uh, Ocoli next. Yeah, you know, I mean, Lawrence Ocoli is an interesting guy, man. He calls himself the source. He's got to be on that steroid source because he was a <laughs> he was a complete bum at the Olympics. He got comprehensively beaten first round when he when he turned professional. Aesthetically, he was one of the worst fighters going. You know, boxing fans had nicknamed him Bambi Legs and, you know, the Octopus Clutcher. Um, <laughs> horrible, horrible fights. Who was he knocking out? No one. And all of a sudden now he's just stopping people left, right and centre. I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, definitely know that. By the way, shout out to everybody in the chat room, Mr. E, OG Boogie, big up to him. Uh and everybody else, uh, apology. I don't know who, who's else, but by the way, Mr. Ree is telling you no corruption. I heard he changed his mind and going to stay cruiser. Good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, because we want to see that fight. You know, Marius Breeders against Lawrence Caholi. That, that, that fight, there's no reason. I think if that's the case, I guess Breeders will probably have a mandatory next does he have one or two belts? Torticos when he fought it. I'm not even. Should be two. Should be two at least because uh, he already got one belt, or, or maybe not. Um, because yeah. I'm wondering before before going into finals with Torticos, if he had any belt, uh, if he won a belt uh, against Kovnatsky and uh, the other guy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Breeders has one or two, but he's probably the Ring Magazine champion as well by mm-hmm. virtue of winning the Boxing Super Series, which he should, realistically, that, that that's absolutely all of the best fighters win fighting to fight in the tournament. So he, the winner of that tournament, like Callum Smith, got the Ring Magazine, but he never had, he only had, he only took the belt of George Grove. So it's a bit of a farce. But in either case, yeah, Breeders. Ilunga Makabu, letting come back down to the UK. Hopefully he can 
right the wrong against Tony Bellew and just, you know, he's an exciting fighter, so that and he's very heavy-handed as well, so that'll be a Southpaw Orthodox against a six feet five might might have some troubles with the the sheer length of for Coley. Um but we don't know with with Lawrence as well, you know. As long as he's got UCAD and he's able to take diuretics to get his weight down to below 200 pounds, you know, he's got a chance. He's, he's going to get all of the protection he needs. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, UCAD, but... Yeah, mean, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, oh, oh. really should be fighting. If he was a man, he had any sort of dignity. You know, they dragged Glavatsky to London fighting the champion in London. Is he gonna is he really gonna go the and try and sort of replicate what Usyk did and go and fight Breeders in No way in the season no you know, way. in Latvia? Not a chance. You know that's what real fighters do. Does he have the balls to do that? I sincerely doubt it. Of I think course, Coley, you need to go back and work in McDonald's, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, he can, he can get the fuck out. Um, OG Boogie saying, I wonder if they're going to elevate Alexander Rusik to the number one position for pound for pound. That's a good question. And uh, I mean, this victory definitely is going to force us to, to make uh, very soon to make another episode on our pound for pound list because there were some changements. Uh, yeah. Um, so this fight included, but from the top of your head, or do you want to save the topic for for another for another episode? But uh, or no, do you want... big big hello to everybody in the chat, G Boogie as well. Um, I call him OCP G Boogie because just like OCP and Robocop, I think he supplies assault weapons to the police and military. <laughs> but yeah, we need to do um, we need to do um revisit our pound for pound list and our list is obviously very unique because we're not even remotely interested in in some of this ridiculous inept corrupt whatever officiating we back our ability to score fights backing up with film studies and punch that so we'll score the fight on the basis of validity and substantiating our our so-called subjective opinion so that it almost becomes an objective as much as you can so i think our pound for pound list that officially myself i think it's getting better and better and better we had no charlos none of that rubbish because we knew they were just rubbish fighters and the gonzalez we kept lomachenko because we knew he never lost that fight and now everybody is slowly turning the corner and realizing that tiafima lopez is just nothing but a one-hit wonder protected fighter a friend, you know, a gold digger, and we'll see what's, how the relationship's going to play out with Bob Aram. But nah, I think our list official was, you know, we had Breeders on there. We had Josh Taylor pretty high, and he's undisputed. So it's the best list out there. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I mean, not because it's our list, but we know what, what, what we are talking about. And we know what we are seeing in the ring. So two reasons, I mean, two proofs that shows you that we, we are spot on for the most of the time. 
if not every time, <laughs> is that, yeah, like you said, we we know what we are seeing in the ring and sooner or later, everybody else sees it. And the second thing is, look, w- when it comes to why you don't have a Crawford on your pound-for-pound list, Canelo, why Canelo is not only your number one, but he's not there at all. I mean, look, just one example of how how right, how correct we are. You have the biggest stars in boxing, AJ and Canelo. So the biggest money makers in boxing currently, without any doubt, everything's good. I mean, they, they have you would say rather exciting styles for the most part, isn't it? So with them, with, with such, such, such huge names that, that are exciting to watch in the ring on top of that, boxing should be in, in, in its golden age. But that's not the case because even the casuals or many, or what's even worse, many true boxing fans, long-time boxing fans, they see that all of this is a freak show, it's a bullshit, it's it's just full-blown corruption. So if they were if they were that good as uh, those cocksucking motherfuckers, those casuals are claiming they are, boxing would be fucking booming. It it would be it would be huge sport even today. It wouldn't be uh, some fucking I, I don't know. Um, I mean, everybody would would be watching boxing in, if that was the case. But no, because even even casuals they see it's it sucks for some reason. Uh, hardcore boxing fans, long time boxing fans see it even better so we know what, what what we are talking we know why certain fighters superstars are not on on our list at all yeah if my there's anybody <laughs> new to the podcast we would invite you to go back to official was it the second or the third where we pretty much devoted almost an entire podcast into breaking down the fraudulent and the superficial career of one Canelo Alvarez. I think it was the second one. As to why a tremendous fighter. We're not even disputing his boxing skills, but it's, it's all of the, it's all of the, the sort of components that boxing fans just sort of take for granted around him. And you've got to look at the decisions as well. And we've spoken about it and it's, it's 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 a, a topic that we don't really like to revisit because what we're seeing now, Canelo, you know, when you're beating Rocky Balboa Fielding and Avni Yildirim and Billy Joe Saunders and Callum Smith and a Caleb Plant to try and pacify your boxing fans as to why you don't want to get back in the ring with Gennady Golovkin, who's already beaten you twice and only got, what, one card out of six I mean, that that shows just the level of corruption in the sport. You know, who gives a fuck about his reign at super middleweight? That is one of the poorest reigns. That's almost on par with with Bud Crawford's reign when he beaten, you know, a Julius Mandingo and God knows who else he beat. But and uh, and, you know, Bud Crawford, did he really beat Victor Poshton? 
you know, it was something we doubted straight away when the fight happened. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and rescore that fight, but I never thought so at the time. So I thought Poshto landed more punches, but we're going to have to go on that back on that one and, and try and, you know, maybe do an analysis again on that one, maybe do a live rescore, but so yeah, this, but corruption. Of... Yeah, we may do that fight in between Crawford and Postal, but yeah. we we cannot promise it because it's very possible that <laughs> there's a huge possibility we 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 fall asleep. No, no, we fall asleep because of how boring that performance was. <laughs> yeah. Remind me, I take a couple of Sudafed and some Adderall. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the worst fights, but I'm sure we can we can get past that for 36 minutes and uh, yeah. try and give a try and give a a better sort of breakdown and a more accurate portrayal. I mean, when you have Steve Kim coming on the BDA and saying that Victor Poshto couldn't even land a glove. On Bud Crawford. Well, oh, yeah. The mainstream narrative. Yeah. And he's supposed to be one of the sharpest guys out there. And if that's his opinion, then, well, I'm not going to say anything else. Until we've, until we've, we can, we can provide some validity to, you know, to our, our fringe opinions. Man. Yeah, those. I mean, and I, I would even say, in my opinion, he he is the best of the, the boxing mainstream media guys, but it just tells you how terrible the rest of them are. I mean, <laughs> look at this corruption. I mean, Dougie Fisher, and I found it out on Thunderdome's boxing stream. Thunderdome mentioned it. Uh, just right after the Pacquiao-Ugas fight, he was saying, like, uh, he was tweeting out, straight out, uh, I'm glad uh, you Pacquiao fans uh, lost the money on him, betting on him, uh, supposedly because they were, you know, doubting, yeah. uh, complaining complaining about the scores, etc. But in his mind was so clear or maybe there was another reason but how 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 unprofessional it is as a head of uh, the supposed bible of boxing to talk like that to fans of, of one fighter when plus on top of that if you examine that fight if you just not even you don't even have to to to, to examine it uh, with the microscope but just simply watch it Without the commentary, without the sound on, you can see that they they have uh, they they are right about what they're saying because we are saying the same thing about that fight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when the Ring magazine's ownership changed hands and its headquarters changed from you know Pennsylvania to California, any remnants of credibility that that magazine once had all but disappeared. I never even reference it. I never even look at their rankings, their pound-for-pound pound lists. ESPN don't even look at their lists. I've got no idea. But to me, they're just totally irrelevant. Oh, yeah. I, 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 in my defense, only both uh, one example of uh, recent Rings edition 
editions it was because they had a Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez on the cover. I bought it simply for that, but man, I mean, why why should I read read that shit or buy it when when I'm capable of doing a much better research when it comes to any fight? Plus, <laughs> I trust in my own judgment much better than in theirs because I'm a I'm a boxing fan. Uh, I'm not getting paid from for talking about boxing here or anywhere else. So I have no no reason to to lie anyone. I I'm just right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know we, we see these pound for pound top ten lists. They're terrible. They're just a marketing scheme, you know, for whoever um, um, TV network like ESPN, they would have but B-U-T-T Crawford, their number one, number one, or even Tyson Fury or somewhere on the top 10. Then the Zoom fucking Canelo. I mean, yeah, he's he's a damn good fighter, but man, <laughs> not not nowhere near as they claim they are. If, and, if, uh, why, if Alexander uh, Usyk is is still behind Bud Crawford and uh, behind uh, Spencer, I would guess, <laughs> fucking 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 retarded. And look, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's talk again about uh, about Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. Why why he's not back on the not only on their top ten but number one or at least their list number two? Uh, he 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 beat I mean he beat two champions in a row. Uh, if you go by by the judgment of anyone with a healthy pair of eyes. Not uh, not those of the judges, but and not forgetting and not forgetting the coup d'etat boxing's number one punch style count video just to reinforce it. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people should go and see, go search for uh, Roman Gonzalez Estrada rematch punch count. There's our video. I mean, we did a great job. These so, motherfuckers. Yeah. They don't understand what the concept of pound for pound. They, they don't even understand what it means. They think it's just based on resume. It's got nothing to do with that whatsoever. But and that's that's one of the problems of boxing official. You've got you've got all of these whack ass YouTube channels who don't understand even the criteria for scoring fights. They don't understand rules, refereeing, the history of boxing. Sanctioning bodies, divisions—they, they simply don't really understand anything, and it's that's why when it when it comes to when the sport is in such utter chaos the way it is, the only the only sanity we have as as sort of fringe voices is is our own ability to score a fight, and if we can back it up, and if there's a sizable audience out there who's able to converse with us able to listen to us and can see the evidence that we are submitting to corroborate our our sort of verdict on, on what transpired. That's the only thing we can do. And we can hope that eventually it can gravitate, there'll be a large enough audience and they can perhaps 
you know, review it, and therefore, you know, that that sort of revolutionary momentum will start. Apart from that, what more can you do? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's happening in boxing is just uh, just the same thing that's happening in the world today in the politics. Uh, they the mainstream narrative of would try to shut the other voices down. Uh, so, and many people would would think they're crazy for uh, for even doubting doubting the mainstream narrative if they didn't hear hear some people on the internet who are thinking the same thing as them. So, yeah, it's it's important to to voice our opinions on, on the fights. I mean, look to go back at uh, to go back to Chocolatito. I mean, why why wouldn't he be back on at the very top of pound for pound list? It's just because he doesn't have a backing. Because back in the day he was on HBO, he had uh, he had a much bigger backing behind him. Yeah. So so that's why he was there in the first place. I mean, if he if he stayed uh, fighting in Japan or the other countries. Uh, Nicaragua, Mexico, but mainly Japan. I even I'm not even sure if he would be on uh, anyone's pound for pound list. It was just because he got people got to know him on HBO and he had the backing. But now that he is not on HBO anymore and that he serves to Eddie Hearn for picking up some other fighters that he thought uh, would be much more profitable to him than Chocolatito because uh, on top of that Chocolatito um, matchroom is uh, like uh, it's a third party to, 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 to Chocolatito uh, I don't know how to explain it but it's not his main promoter and on top of that he's there serving a purpose of being the opponent, the name to beat, like it was the case in his rematch with Estrada. So that's why he's not on on, on the pound for pound list, although he he looks better than any other guy. That that performance against Estrada was fucking fire. But that's that's what we are getting. And uh, I would like to say shout out to Doug. He says, people buy into popular narratives too much. They repeat what others say instead of looking at the fight themselves and making a judgment. Couldn't say it any better. And the commentary is one of the biggest components in coercing, as it was clearly evident in the uh, the Manny Pacquiao and Ugas fight. I think that was that was almost a a threshold reached with the amount of people that were just brain i i'd made a lot of comments around and 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 the the amount of sort of victimization and the, the amount of my <laughs> some of the comments that were coming back to me but they just they just can't score fights they just don't know what they're watching they're just coerced by commentary it's just it's as bad as what it is and we talked about it before they they don't have they don't even have the autonomous ability to score fights official. They actually need the commentary to almost guide them. Yeah. That sort of preemptive their mindset so that they know, so they just simply go with the flow. Yeah. Just tell you how much they know about boxing. 
but it is what it is. But to hold on, I have to do something. I wanted to make one point very when you were talking about Gonzalez and sure. Strada. Let me give you an example of just how much you know the adversity that Gonzalez we talked about was gonna face and we know with Estrada was we we talked about not only the protection he received against Carlos Quadras with the redacted round, but when you talk about him and Srisikat, Srisikat is the one is is in addition to Gonzalez is the other fighter who inflicted you know a, a clean victory against him. So when what happens what happens when when Srisikat is 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 once against the mandatory for Estrada, the WBC clearly do not want to see that fight. So they introduce a super champion status so that Estrada no longer has to face a mandatory. So therefore, Swissicat fights against Carlos Quadras for the regular WBC felt because they know that's not a fight. And I'm sure the WBC and, and even the promoters had something to do with Swissicat fighting in a in an orthodox stance against Estrada in, in their second fight. I'm sure they probably said to him, look, we'll promise you a title shot somewhere down the line. But in this fight, we want Estrada to win the rematch and get back the WBC belt. So I feel I felt they were behind that as well. And they're certainly behind Estrada getting a super champion status so that he doesn't have to fight Sadisakat now. Oh well uh, from from my understanding, what's happening right now is that uh, well Estrada had that WBC belt, but he was he agreed to be uh, turned into um, what's what, what's the franchise. name of franchise? franchise yeah, yeah, franchise. I mean, the the same thing here. Yeah, franchise, yeah. Yeah. So, so he agreed to that. Uh, so he can fight uh, f- for the real belt, the winner of Strisaket and uh, Quadras, and uh, um, the real WBC belt uh, has been moved on to to Strisaket. And supposedly the, the winner is going to the winners of both fights are supposed to meet and fight for that belt. Um, but uh, recently I heard uh, some talking about uh, some people talking about uh, them not being able to to finalize the third fight in between Chocolatito uh, and Estrada. I yes. think that uh, both of them are asking for one million apiece. Uh, so one million for Estrada, one million for Gonzalez, and uh, it looks like, from what I'm hearing, that um, either the, the financial backers or the promoter are not willing to do that. Well, that's a disowned decision from Estrada's point perspective. Gonzalez has a little bit more flexibility, but I think Gonzalez may have been may have received a million for. For their second fight, yeah, and I, I do think, in fact, that they both received uh, a million for the rematch, but for some mm-hmm. reason, they they don't want to pay them again that that money for the third fight. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's not pay them a million each, even though we got the fight of the year. That makes yeah. sense, doesn't it? Yeah. 
I mean, the the number of asses they're they're putting in the ring fighting in America, and uh, how how many people love to watch them fight worldwide. I mean, I, I mean, look, I, I mean, Roman I, Gonzalez is is unequivocally top ten greatest fighters of all time, all time, and I'll repeat that. And I agree, fully agree. His his final position for for us would be a lot higher because there's no way Estrada beat him, and there was no way Sirisakat beat him as well. So, and if he didn't, if he'd won the first fight, there wouldn't have been a rematch. So he wouldn't have got into that second fight after the death of his trainer. So he, you're talking about a guy who'd still be would he would he be what fifty fifty two and zero now? So. Yeah, that, it's a lot of politics. The same sort of politics that may have come in when when Larry Holmes was trying to supersede Rocky Marciona's forty nine and O. Them so the, the powers that work behind boxing that didn't want Roman Gonzalez eclipsing Floyd Mayweather. You know they came into force for that fight. Oh yeah, and on top of that. Like I'm always saying, at the same time, they were trying to to make Andre Ward, Ward number one pound for pound. Because yeah. It's, yeah. it's a circus. It's a joke. Yeah. Andre Ward, my God, man. But you know what, Corruption? I know yep. what, what is going to make you feel better. Hold on, I have a surprise for you. A good surprise. Okay. If it rhymes with cherry kiss. <laughs> I would say even better. <laughs> even are you sure about that? Yeah. Don't be playing this record. Coming from an audio man, that, that is the worst record. <laughs> that has ever been released. Yeah. We've had it. Damn. I mean, I accepted it for that one sort of a sarcasm video that you did. <laughs> Very hurt that time in his underpants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Man, corruption! You yeah. you haven't seen. I mean, I ha I had a, a great idea for the for the pre-show fight for for the pre-fight show uh, that I was supposed to do today before the fight for uh, Ustik versus Joshua. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna prepare it for the for the next episode. You're Good. going to love it. Good. You mean on that note, official? We'll we'll come back. We'll see, but we might come and give it more of a sort of a technical breakdown of the fight. But this was an important post-fight reaction because Alexander Rusik executed the coup de grace. <laughs> the new, it was a hell of a ground. You know, I mean, that give, give credit to um, Daniel Levy and Tottenham Hotspurs. I mean, I went to one of the, went to their old ground a number of years ago maybe about 15, 20 years ago, White Hart Lane, but this new stadium, 
state of the art. Hell of a stadium. I'm not sure where the rematch is going to be, but yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But this was this was a fantastic night and uh, something that we, the hardcore boxing fans, were really, really looking for and we, we really needed it because the robberies and all kinds of fuckeries are happening all the time. Yeah, yeah. much more than before, more blatant than before. So it was much needed to ah. see a cash cow, uh, a very <laughs> extremely good but overrated fighter, protected fighter, getting his his ass kicked, and we got yeah, it. Yeah, man, he, he got his ass kissed by a <laughs> Usyk who's too small. He can't punch. He's got no power, man. Oh yeah, 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 man. I. I Right now, what I want to do is go go all over the internet, yeah. Uh, watch watch all the episodes from all the different podcasts. Uh, from shoot, the shoot pro- down that BDA garbage first thing. Ah, though uh, I, I don't want to this, uh, you know, to disrespect, but I mean, uh, but I mean, man, um, the people that were claiming that. Age is gonna do this or that, and that we don't know what we're talking about. Man, that's 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 what I'm aiming for. All yeah. these all these names. Yeah, I mean to to BDA and Butcher. They're always friends. I'm talking about the people, the chat. Oh, yeah. Oh well, oh, definitely the people that were calling in there, claiming yes. that AJ is going to do this or that, uh, and I mean. Anthony and his channel Thunderdome Boxing, he also saw many, many idiots, retards, retards that, I mean, it was, man, I, I don't know, but. Yeah, man. Even even to the little homie Haitian, you need to, oh, yeah. you need to pack your pack lunch and go back to school, my friend. Boxing's <laughs> not for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Oh, I almost said H money, not H money, Haitian sensation. Although the way he was talking about Usyk versus Joshua, yeah, that's you, you could argue it was on the level of, the, of H money. Then, man, L Dog, I would have to say something about him. I mean, uh, he's he's a funny guy, nice guy, but the lately he he started. Trolling too much and it got boring and overwhelming. I mean, he cannot. I don't know. I do think that I'm seeing and following the news, the things that are happening in Australia, in New Zealand. I think that L Dog is cracking under under pressure because of what's happening in his country. They are on lockdown. Probably his parents are annoyed with him. Because he's there all no, the time. No. Mean, they I've, cannot I've... have a normal sexual life. So, see, so no, see, I've never, I've never had a problem with L Dog. Even me neither. With his opinions, I, no, I, that's his opinions. You know, so be it. We disagree. Um, he's still a young man learning the trade of boxing, etc. We, well, I'm almost double his age, so. It's, it's just different, different 
places on the galaxy for us, you know. No, well, well with Eldo guy, I understand. Uh, I understand him, but I had uh, I had to 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 take a dig because because man, it was these few last weeks they were annoying, and you know that I, I I've been listening to to Eldo trolling Pacquiao's fans since forever and saying nonsense about Pacquiao, and it always made me laugh despite disagreeing with him. But right now, I, I had, you know, I had to, to take to take a little dig because, man, people should, should listen when, when knowledgeable boxing fans are telling you something instead of just repeating baseless, baseless nonsense. Yeah, I'm right. He's going to do this or that. He's going to stop him. Uzi cannot take his punch. Uh, it's going to be complicated. Well, no. So, I mean, that... <laughs> yeah, man. You see, it's a, it's a victory for the cerebral fighters and the cerebral boxing fans who understand what's going on, who can, who can read between between the lines look at the gray areas you know the deception that's how war is fought it's it's deception that's how how do you think the russian federation took the took crimea from the ukraine there was no russian forces even on that never even crossed the border you know how did the how did the russian federation get nato to move back west in Lib from Libya, etc. So let's see. These guys are the masters of that. Yeah, and I mean one last point for me about yeah. uh, people that were picking AJ and uh, telling us that AJ is gonna stop Usyk. You you're talking about uh, Usyk being a cerebral a cerebral fighter. Just how many times we were talking about uh, certain cerebral fi cerebral fighters and their ring IQ, their yeah. their underrated skills, yeah. and then they would lose officially, and uh, they would people like let's say Eldog or many other people who would would use the 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 fucking terrible official scorecards. Yeah. To ju ju just to try to say that uh, people like you, me, Thunderdome, Precise, um, Recognize the Matrix, and other people, uh, that we were wrong, uh, although we were right, only that uh, people, uh, uh, th that uh, officially, the official result was uh, was some kind of fuckery it was a robbery so it was not backed by by the official decisions yeah but here right now you you saw what happened last hour oh, i mean tonight yeah when when vasily lomachenko got fucked over by lopez did the coup d'etat boxing even move him from our pound for pound rankings no because we we understood what was going on and we had even faith in the fighter that, yeah, you know, whether it's shoulder surgery or whatever else, he'll be back. He'll reclaim the throne. But there's a lot of fighters. I think Eldog was a big, big Vasily guy. And after that, 
I think he pretty much lost all confidence in him, but now he might be getting it back again. I I, I don't know. I don't really listen to all of these pods. Yeah, well, well corruption. Yeah, funny, funny what you're saying because, I mean, again, uh, L dog. Yeah, exactly. I saw the same thing with, with with him and Lomachenko. He lost the confidence, and it brings me back to what you said uh, just a couple of minutes earlier about uh, boxing fans that they're not sure of what they're seeing in the ring, so they need uh, the commentary team to 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 to. to tell them what to think and to explain them the situation. And you can bet that they're not going to, to really help you, help you uh, understand what's going on in the ring. So, Yeah, the thing is, you know, scoring a fight is very difficult, where it can be potentially difficult. I mean, if you look at probability, when have you seen all three scorecards submitted by judges being exactly the same? It is very rare that they have prime position, but they're sitting in different positions. So it is difficult. What people tend to do is they, they're just too impatient. They just want to come on YouTube or on boxing pods or calls and just make themselves look like fools by, by a premature opinion, something yeah. which if they go back and rewatch, they may subsequently change whatever else. You know, we're not about that. You know, just, just be patient. Watch the fight. You know, chances are official and myself are always in some tremendous pain watching the fight at some ridiculous hour five, <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. If you if you realize our schedules, you know that it's very, very difficult for both of us. You know, we're on killer hours at the moment at sort of crazy time. So, you know, yeah, just exercise some patience, you know, some diligence, watch the fight, study it turn off the commentary, never even listen to commentary, irrespective of what network it is. You know, that that's just a simple lesson. You know, use your own mind, use your own eyes, you know, make up your own mind, irrespective of whether you're going to offend, you know, certain peers that you respect. No, just, just, that's it. It's just simple common sense. Yeah. So, I, speaking of the late hours, yeah. it's 3.15 a.m. Yeah, on that note, oh. man, get back. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a great pleasure talking to you Absolutely. about this fight. One of the best boxing nights, period. It's got oh, nothing yeah. to do with the proclivity of liking a fight or whatever. It's just having faith in the fighter who has demonstrated all of the virtues that appeal to us real hardcore boxing fans. And that's what it's about, overcoming the odds, but having faith in that fighter to execute it and deliver when it matters the most. And, and that's what we saw, a unique individual, a unique fighter, and couldn't be any happier for him. The ultimate road warrior. Yeah, <laughs> the perennial road warrior. Yeah, not the fake one going from state <laughs> to state. Yeah. Oh, oh, Andre Wood. Oh man, I, I'm going from I'm going from Oklahoma to uh, New Jersey. I think, 
I think that's an away, away victory. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I beat Sergey Kovalev in the neutral uh, <laughs> on the neutral ground cleanly you gotta without look any up, corruption. Yeah, you got to look up what these fighters Golovkin, Pacquiao, Usyk, Lomachenko are doing. You know, they're establishing their base in other countries, learning new languages, having to deal with. If we could actually, if we could actually sort of quantify just how much adversity what these guys have to go through is just incredible. You know, you try learning a, another language and living in another country, and you realize just how difficult it is. And what these guys are doing, you know, they're fighting the system, the political system, the economic system, and then they're fighting all of the politics. You know, when you when you multiply that within sport, which has it almost outright, you know, that's that's what just the level they're dealing with and to overcome though, you know, that that's that's a monumental historic victory. Oh yeah. And on that note, Kuditara Boxing, big shout out to everybody who, you know, was able to join us. A hell of a lot of podcasts going about. So thank you to those who showed some loyalty and some sort of respect towards us as well. Not a great deal of people. I'm sure we can count them on our hands, just how many, but thank you. You know, it's much appreciated.